We're going to continue our study of Ecclesiastes today. We'll be in Ecclesiastes 2, if you want to turn there, the first few verses of Ecclesiastes 2. Um, you know, we, uh, we kind of live in a weird time, don't we? We live in a time where feelings are elevated above truth. So how I feel about something is more important than the actual truth. Now, I have a problem with that because I believe truth is, and it really doesn't matter how I feel about it. It, it just is. But, but that's not where our society is. Our society is all about our feelings, right? Now, here's the thing. It's not new. <laughs> Remember, uh, Solomon told us there's nothing new under the sun, and it's not new. How many of you, some of you here are, are uh, old enough to remember, if it feels good, do it, right? It was on bumper stickers, it was on uh, T-shirts, it was on billboards, it was everywhere. If it feels good, do it. And then we kind of shifted from that to you owe it to yourself, do it for yourself, right? Which is frankly just if it feels good, do it, just in, uh, under another name, that's all it is. So it's really not new that, that we have this idea that the pursuit of pleasure, the pursuit of how I feel and feeling good should be the primary source of life. As a matter of fact, there are philosophers that said exactly that, that, that the pursuit of pleasure is the, is the main point of life. Sigmund Freud, the father of modern psychiatry, said this. He said everything in life is about the pursuit of of pleasure, the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of, of feeling good. Now, he directed it kind of almost directly at sex, but it still was just about how you feel is what matters. How you feel is the pursuit of life. But there's a problem with that. It's way too narrow. Because how do you then explain if, if life is, if the main point of life is the pursuit of pleasure, then how do you explain self-sacrificing? How do you explain altruism? We know stories of law enforcement officers and, and firefighters and, and soldiers who put themselves in harm's way for somebody they've never met. That doesn't fit with Sigmund Freud or our culture's idea of what life is about. So... Solomon's going to talk to us today about these things, about the pursuit of pleasure, about the pursuit of wealth, about the pursuit of, of, of great achievement, and how all of them are vanity and chasing after the wind. So let's read chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, verses 1 through 11. It is up here behind me. I, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guided me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted them in all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the, the forest of growing trees. 
about male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the children of man. So I became great, and I surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And what, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, it was vanity and striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. So Solomon kind of breaks this into three parts, three distinct areas. He talks about self-indulgence, wealth, and achievement. These are, all, uh, these are all still mantras of our culture, still mantras of our society. The American society is built very much on these three things. These are pillars of, of modern culture, self-indulgence, wealth, and achievement. The problem is what, what Solomon says is none of them last. It's vanity, a vapor, a, a wisp of smoke, and it's chasing after the wind. None of it lasts. There's, no accomplish, uh, there's nothing accomplished by it. So let's, let's kind of look at these one at a time. First, self-indulgence. Solomon tries, if it feels good, do it. He said he didn't keep anything. If his eyes desired it, he did it. But what he finds out is there's no lasting joy in pleasure. Trying to find lasting joy in pleasure is, is problematic because we run into what's known as the law of diminishing return, which is, which is to say what brings me pleasure today, I'll need more of tomorrow to get the same feeling. And so we are ever chasing more and more in order to feel good for a shorter and shorter period of time. Self-indulgence does not bring us lasting joy. It's vanity. It's chasing after the wind. It doesn't bring anything that, that is long-term. And, and it's not just... Now, now, anyone who has fought addictions knows this. But it's not just about alcohol or drugs or, or, or any kind of addiction. Think about our entertainment-mad society. We will pay ridiculous amounts of money to be entertained. And then we'll, be, th then we'll look for more entertainment when that's done. I looked, just for kicks, I looked at, at what Super Bowl tickets are going to cost. Now, the Super Bowl's about, what, two weeks from today? Three weeks from today? And, you know, you know the cheapest seats I could find were over $6,000 to watch a game for four hours. $6,000 to watch a game for four hours. Because at the end of the game, it's over. And you've got nothing but the memory. None of this lasts. None of this makes, uh, makes any long-term difference. It is all vanity, 
a vapor chasing after the wind because it doesn't accomplish anything, as Solomon said. Then he, uh, then he talked about wealth. In verses 4 through 8, he talks about his vast wealth. And, and I mentioned uh, when we started this study that Solomon was the richest king in, in Israel's history. He had everything. He, had, he, had, uh, he lists some of it here, slaves and land and buildings and flocks. And he had uh, gold and silver. He had everything. And, but notice in these verses, in verses 4 through 8, look at all of the eyes and for myselfs. He got all this wealth for himself, just for himself. So he was entirely self-focused on getting, getting rich. Now, how many times do we have to see on TV that when you get to the top, there's nothing there? Because we see it again and again and again with, with politicians and businessmen and investors and stars. We see all of these entertainment people that we pay ridiculous amounts of money all going into rehab because when they got to the top, there was nothing there to sustain them. So what, how many times do we have to see this, yet we still think, well, if I only had more money, I'd be happier. No, you won't. Because that's not how it works. Solomon had everything there was to have and found out it was vanity, a wisp of smoke, chasing after the wind. None of it mattered. And then he talks about achievement. He became great and surpassed all who were before him. He achieved everything he could, and yet he still says it's vanity. Now, we think, wait, achievement matters, right? You're, you're familiar with Michael Phelps, right? Swimmer, Olympic swimmer. Now, I'm a sports fan, so I watch the Olympics. Michael Phelps holds the record for gold medals in an Olympics, eight. Do you know who held it before him? No. But it was Mark Spitz, and he held it for 30 years before Michael Phelps. But do we remember Mark Spitz? No. He held the record for, for gold medals in, in the Olympics for 30 years. And the only time we, are, we, we remember him is when his record's broken by Michael Phelps. When Michael, right now, Michael Phelps is, he's doing commercials, he's doing, he, he's, we know his name, we know his voice, we, we, we see his face, we know who he is, but he's going to end up in the same place Mark Spitz did in our minds. Because his, and, and we will completely forget that he's the record holder until that record's broken. That's how achievement works. <clears throat> how achievement works is, is you achieve until... Someone else achieves more, and then you don't matter anymore. Mark Spitz faded into the background well, uh, well into his 30 years. I didn't remember his name at all, and I consider myself a sports fan. I didn't remember his name at all until Mo Michael Phelps broke his record. Then we hear about Mark Spitz. Then we see the clips of him swimming. Then we see Mark Spitz comes back up but only after his record's broken by somebody else. This is how earthly achievement works. And a philosopher said, success 
is full of promise until a man gets it. And then it's last year's nest from which the birds have flown. Another said, achievement is the death of endeavor and the birth of disgust. Once we achieve something on this earth, somebody else will achieve more. And what we have done won't matter. At some point, our names, no matter what we achieve, are going to be like Mark Spitz. We're not going to be remembered that way. Achievement works this way. Earthly achievement has no lasting effect. It's vanity. It's chasing after the wind. Now, verse 10, Solomon says, He tried every pleasure his eyes could see and his heart could want. He is, he, so he gives us a, a picture of pleasures that are external and internal. Make me feel good, make me like things. Everything, he tried everything, inward and outward. And it's all vanity and chasing after the wind. So it doesn't matter whether it's self-indulgence or wealth or achievement. It doesn't, none of these have lasting value. What does have lasting value? He tells us in chapter 12. It's our memory verse. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Solomon has been up in, in chapter 1. He's been showing us a, a life apart from God, and a life lived within the purpose of God. Now, he's showing us a life focused on self versus a life focused on God. He gives us a life focused on self as a vanity, a vapor, a wisp of smoke. Because when we choose to live a life centered on how we feel, or how much we can get, or how much I can achieve. We live a life of vanity. When you get to the top, there's nothing there. A life lived, fearing God and keeping his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. If it's the whole duty of man, then, it, then that's where fulfillment is found. That's what God made us for. We become who we were meant to be. We live the life we were meant to have when we fear God and keep his commandments. That's our whole duty. So what's your life like today? Are you in the pursuit of what makes you feel good? Are you in the pursuit of more money? Are you in the pursuit of, of getting to the top? Or are you living a life of fearing God and keeping his commandments? Are you living a life led by Christ who came to give you life and life more abundant? That's my question for you today, and I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and consider it. What are you living for? If you're living for self, it's, it's a vanity, it's a vapor. It's a wisp of smoke. It's chasing after the wind.
But if you're living for Christ, you're living a life more abundant, a life that matters, a life with meaning and purpose. Will you take a moment and just ask God to focus you in May I live the life you have for me today, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you for this reminder. Father, that, that our, our society, our culture has it all wrong. That life doesn't matter. We ask, Father, for a life that matters, a life of purpose, a life of meaning, a life of following our Lord and Savior. For it's in His name we pray.